Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. Darkness is a horrible thing. If you or I wake up in the middle of the night and it's totally dark, seldom do we encounter total darkness, but when we do, it's a horrible thing. But worse than darkness is being in darkness and not knowing it. And that's where so much of our world is these days, in darkness without knowing it. But there's hope because God has sent the one true light. And we want to focus on him today. And so if you will read with me responsively this passage as we open the Gospel of John. We begin with John chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. I'll read the white print, join me in the yellow. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Thank you, and please be seated. John introduces us to this true light that comes into the world, and he begins by acknowledging that this light is the Word. He says, in the beginning was the Word. The Greek word is the word logos. You probably know that. And, and what John is saying is, is that the one who gives expression to God, the one who is the Word, the one who communicates, the one who reaches out to share truth, this one, this word, was in the beginning. <clears throat> when you first start the Gospel of John, you're not sure where he's going with this, right, as you, as you begin. With the familiarity that you have, perhaps, you already know that he's going to identify the word as Jesus. But in the beginning, he's simply saying, uh, as he starts here, rather, he's simply saying that in the beginning was the word. And he adds that the Word was with God. And so this Word was present with God. And that creates a distinction between the Word and God. 
But lest we misunderstand that, he hurries on in that first sentence to say the word was God. And so John begins with a very philosophical statement as he presents to us the presence of this word who was with God and who was also God. And so it it immediately invokes in our minds this understanding of, of at least two gods or two persons in the Godhead. And we know from our background and from our study of theology that there is a triunity in the Godhead that eventually the Spirit of God would be introduced as well. And so this word is the eternal God. He was in the beginning, and he was with God, and he was God. And then John goes on to say that this word is also the creator of all things. This word is the one who created. And so now the word begins to take on additional personal aspects or personality as the creator. He points out that there's nothing which exists that he has not made. And so John acknowledges that this word was the one who created. And that takes you back, if you are familiar with the Scriptures, if you have a background in the Scriptures, it takes you back to Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then we have it laid out for us how that happens. And so now we understand that there were two persons in the Godhead involved. And of course, even back in Genesis, we know that the Spirit of God then hovered over the waters of the deep. And so it reinforces for us this idea of the triunity of the nature of God. Paul um, communicates the same idea in Colossians chapter 1. I like the way the message says it. This modern translation says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence, and he holds it all together right up to this moment. Jesus, this word, the eternal word of God, is the creator who who holds all things. It's in him that all things consist, my translation says. And so John, as he introduces this word to us, points out then that this word is the light, the light that's come into the world. He says, in him, in this word, is life. So he in himself possessed life. Eventually, we're going to read later on in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so life resides in the person of this word. He doesn't need to depend on other sources. You and I depend on air, first of all, and then we depend on water, and then we depend on some additional things so that we can survive. He was there before all of those things, before air, before water, before food, before all of the things that we need to sustain us. And in him was life. And that life, John says, is the light of men. It's that life which introduces mankind to an understanding of of who we are, 
of what our purpose is, what our future is, what the design of God is for us. The one who made us is the one who reveals who we are and what needs to happen in our lives. This life, then, as the light of men, shines in the darkness. We started out by saying that darkness is a horrible thing, and it is. Without being able to see, without being able to understand, without a perspective, without a sense of, of orientation as to where we are and what's happening, we are completely lost. And it's Jesus, it's the Word, as John introduces him to us, who comes into the world. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And so this light comes into our world. He comes to give us perspective, to give us understanding, to teach us, to provide an understanding of who we are, how life is to, to work, and what should take place in our experience. So John begins this gospel in a very different way from the other gospels. Matthew begins, remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so what we have is the genealogy of the king. Mark begins the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ and goes right into him, his life as a servant. Luke begins with an introduction as to the, the announcement of the birth of Zacharias and then the word to Mary that she is going to have a baby. When John begins his gospel, he begins with this statement. It's the eternal creator, word of God, who is God and who was with God, who has come into this world to bring light and life. And so the light is introduced to us as we hear John's words. And then John speaks to the witness to the light. And so he points out that John the Baptist, another John, came into this world. There was a man who was sent from God. And so John the Baptist comes into this world, and he comes in order to bear witness to the light. He comes as a corroboration, if you will. He comes to authenticate this one who is the light of the world, the true light that John is going to talk about. And so John the Baptist was sent ahead of him for that purpose. He testified about Jesus. And he did so, John says, in order that all might believe in him. And so his purpose was to bring men and women to the light and to have them believe in this one who whom God has sent in the world as the light. Now, that fits, remember, with John's stated purpose in John chapter 20 at the very end. He makes the statement, all of these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have um, new life, may have eternal life in him. So John came to authenticate Jesus. He came to bear witness. He's not the light himself. He makes that very clear. And instead, he comes to bear witness to the light. And so we have this ministry of John highlighted for us by um, John, the, the writer of the gospel, as he points out. 
later on in this same chapter, John the Baptist will say, I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. And so God sends the light into the world, and he sends John the Baptist, another individual, to bear witness to the light, to testify as to the reality of that light. And then John gets into the purpose for this. He says that the light needs to be received. He begins by saying to us that the true light that comes into the world enlightens every man. I think what John is saying is this. The only way to fully and properly understand who you are, who I am, and where we fit in the grand scheme of things is to understand that in relationship to the person of Jesus. Everything else is a misunderstanding. Everything else, though maybe well-intentioned, falls short of knowing who we are. This light that comes into the world, this Jesus, this eternal creator word that comes into the world is the one who manifests who we are, and he is the true light of the world. He's the one who enlightens every one of us. And so every single person, in order to have a proper understanding of who you are, where you're headed, what it is that, that your, your purpose in life is, has to be understood in relationship to Jesus. Because he's the one who reveals your purpose. As I had opportunity to teach for many years in the, in the university, students were always seeking to understand, where am I going? What is my purpose? What should I do with my life? And those things must always be determined if you want to find that ultimate purpose. They always have to be determined in light of a relationship with Jesus. It's a matter of, of us committing ourselves to him and saying, all right, Jesus, I am here as your servant. I will do whatever you want. I will serve you where you want. I will labor how you want me to, to labor. Just direct me. And then he directs our paths. And as he does so, then we find where we are headed. And so this true light that comes into the world is the one who sheds light on who you are, on what your purpose is, on what you should be doing, where you should invest yourself, and how you should serve. And the earlier in life that you make that discovery, the better off you are. The more you can invest your life, this week we have been reading through Genesis, if you're on the new reading program with us. And as you know, I, I like to read ahead just a little bit because I hate to get behind. It's so hard to catch up, isn't it? And so I always want to be a, a couple of chapters ahead so, um, so I can take care of that. And I was reading the life of Jacob. And as we read the life of Jacob, what's very interesting is is that Jacob, you remember the story, right, about Jacob and Esau and how Jacob deceives his father to get the blessing, and then his mother and father send him away because Esau wants to 
literally kill him after he steals the, the blessing. And so he leaves home. What's not obvious in the story, unless you do all the computation, is that Jacob is 76 years old when he leaves home. Now, that's a little late by almost all standards, right? Your, your health insurance doesn't cover somebody at that age. And so Jacob leaves home, and he has this Jacob's ladder experience, remember, the dream and so forth. And then he goes to be with Laban, and he spends 20 years with Laban. And he comes back after 20 years. He comes back with two, uh, four wives, actually, and with um, 11 children, 12 counting Dinah. And then uh, Benjamin is born a little bit later. But he comes back into the land. And when he comes back into the land, almost the first thing he does is go to the place where he had this dream, and he erects an altar, and he calls the altar there El Elohe Israel. God, the God of Israel. What he's doing at that point is fulfilling a promise that he made. He said at the Jacob's Ladder experience 20 years earlier, if you protect me and if you bring me back and if you um, guard me in all of my ways and bless me, then I will serve you and I will give you a tenth of all that I possess. And so he comes back 20 years later to fulfill that. And you know what I have written in the margin of my Bible? I have written 90 wasted years. Because the first 90 years of his life were literally wasted. He didn't make a commitment to serve God until he was 90 years of age. And he's going to say to Pharaoh at the end of Genesis, many and painful have been the years of my life. It was painful because he was trying to navigate it himself. He was trying to make things happen himself rather than making the commitment which he makes at 90 when he was 20 or 15. Had he made that commitment early on, life would have been totally different, right? And many of us can testify to that as well. It may be that you didn't find Jesus or you didn't commit your way to Jesus until late in life. Young people, don't make that mistake. Understand that Jesus is the true light who lightens every man. He is the one who provides insight as to who you are and what you should do and how you should serve and who you should marry and where you should work and all of those kinds of things. When you give your life to Jesus... You are setting yourself up for the greatest blessings of heaven. That's the whole point of Jesus being the light that lightens every man. And that's important for us to understand. Secondly, he says in this development that the creation didn't know him. He created all these things. He came into the world that he had made. And he's already developed that idea that there isn't anything exists that Jesus didn't make. He owns it all. And so he came to this world that he had made, but the world that he had made did not know him. And that's where a lot of people are. So many people around us do not know him. They're living in darkness. Oh, the sun comes up every morning. We have a beautiful morning like this one. 
and it lightens our path. We have electricity that we can turn on. We have other means of light. Now people use their phones. You know, you, you in a dark place and, and you say, I wish I had a light here, and then you remember, oh, in my phone, which is not in my pocket here, in my phone, there's a light. And so I have a flashlight and I can utilize that. But, but we live in darkness because it's not the physical light. It's the spiritual light. It's the understanding of who we are that is so important. And this world that he made did not know him. The text says that he came unto his own, his own possessions. I take that to mean his kingdom, his nation, the world that he made, and all that God had in store for him, and his people did not receive him. The word receive there is the same word that's used in the book of Matthew when, God, when the angel comes to Jacob, excuse me, to Joseph, and says to him, um, get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. What it means is embrace this child, take this child to yourself and the mother to yourself, and go on to Egypt. The word receive means to embrace. It means to take unto oneself or to bring alongside of oneself as your possession. And what John is saying is, is that the world that Jesus had made and the people that he had created did not receive him. And John is talking about how difficult this life is going to be. Uh, we know as the gospel unfolds, that Jesus is going to be um, despised. He's going to be eventually crucified. He's going to be placed in a tomb. But God's plan overrides all of that. And so he's also going to be raised from the dead. He's going to become the Lord of all. And so it's important to recognize that. John says his own people did not receive him. He was not embraced by them. And then he says, but some did receive him. And here's the point of what John is driving at in the passage. As many as received him, there were a number of people who received him. It wasn't the masses like it should have been, but there were many who received him. And as many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Here's a distinction right at the beginning of the Gospel of John. Not every person is a child of God. We are the creation of God, but we are not the children of God until we are born into God's family. He goes on to add, as many as has received him who believed in his name, these he gave the right to be born of God. And that's what John is after, isn't he? All through the gospel, he keeps telling us about the necessity of believing in Jesus that we might be born into God's family, that we might become God's children. This is the darkness in which this world walks. People all around us have no idea about these things. Yesterday, I was talking to an individual. I went into a shop, and um, as we were talking, he, he, this gentleman was making small talk with me as he waited on me. And he said, um, are you having a good day? And I said, yeah, it's a great day. And he said, um, are you enjoying the weekend? And I said, yeah, we're getting ready for church. And um, that always kind of brings some people up a little short, you know. 
So he said, well, that's nice. Where, where do you go to church? Well, you give me an opening like that, right? <laughs> and so I told him where we went to church. And um, I, at that point, I disclosed in favor of full disclosure that I'm a pastor. And, um, and, and so I said to him, uh, do you go to church somewhere in the area? Was, this is over in Pennsylvania. I said, do you go to church somewhere in the area? He says, no, I really don't. He said, I go to temple once in a while. And I could tell by the complexion of his skin and a slight accent that he was probably born overseas. And my heart just went out to him because I thought, here's an individual who is walking in darkness. I'm thinking this passage, scriptures, I've been working on it all week long. And I went to my pocket and my pocket was empty. I had hurried out of the house and I did not have what I always have in my pocket was a little booklet to explain how you can know for sure that you'll be going to heaven when you die. So I said to him, the next time I come in, I'm going to bring you a little booklet. And he said, okay, thank you. Now, he has to do that because he wants my business, right? But that's my purpose in life. My purpose in life is to go to heaven when I die and take as many people with me as I possibly can. And so that's what I'm really after as I engage in conversation. See, the Bible says that all of these people who live around us are walking in darkness. And you and I have the light. We have the true light of Jesus. We understand a perspective that all of these folks do not have. And that's what's wrong with our government, isn't it? That's what's wrong with our country, and that's what's wrong with our world, is that people do not have the light. They don't understand what Jesus brings to them. You and I have it, and we need to be those who share it and who pass it on. These individuals... Um, are, have not had the experience of being born again into the family of God. And so they need that. Um, John says, and as his purpose in the book, and this introduction drives right to the heart of that, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. I want to tell you briefly the story of Rosaria Butterfield. Very interesting story. She has written a book called The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. You can buy it on Amazon or wherever. I think it was written in 2012. Uh, Rosaria, it was a tenured professor at Syracuse University. She held a coveted position as a professor of English at that university. She had no desire to become part of the heterosexist patriarchal culture that she perceived to be um, the identity of Christianity. Her thinking was challenged by the letter of a local pastor who inquired about her basic presuppositions and asked her questions no one had ever asked her before. 
what began as an academic exercise to find fault with the scriptures and expose the darker side of Christianity ended with answers and a changed life that resonates in today's culture. Here's what she writes in part in the little um, uh, description of her book. She says um, in these words, these are, these, are, um, these are her secret thoughts about those events written only as a reflective English professor um, could. Uh, conversion put me in a complicated and comprehensive chaos. I sometimes wonder when I hear other Christians pray for the salvation of the lost, if they realize that this comprehensive chaos is the desired end of such prayers. Often people ask me to describe the lessons that I learned from this experience. I can't. It was too traumatic. Sometimes in crisis, we don't really learn lessons. Sometimes the result is simpler and more profound. Sometimes our character is simply transformed. And she writes of her finding Jesus through this search in the scriptures and how it has totally transformed her life. She came from one who was perceived to be enlightened in the university and now is truly enlightened. She and her now pastor husband live in North Carolina and minister to the church that he serves. And um, you can read the story. It's really fascinating. That's where the world is. And John says, Jesus came into the world to be the light of the world and to bring life. And you and I need to join with him. We need to pursue him for an understanding of all of the things that are a part of who he is and what he has for us. So as I boil this down and bring it together, what John is saying to us is that embracing Jesus makes me God's child. And the answers are simple at this point to our so what question. One, receive Jesus. Probably most of us in this room this morning have. There may be some visiting us online who have not. You need to receive Jesus. That's the only answer to life. And so that's where we begin. We need to embrace his light. You and I need to continue to embrace the light of Jesus. That's why we're involved in our grace groups. That's why we study the Word of God. That's why we have adult ed classes and classes for teens and children and so forth. It's the communication of God's Word that brings us an understanding of God's light. And then we need to simply share Jesus. I hope that you're doing that. I hope that you see that as your cause and your purpose in this life. Will you pray with me? Father, how we thank you this morning for Jesus. How grateful we are <clears throat> that you, you did not send Gabriel, as capable as he probably is, or Michael, the archangel. You did not send Abraham or Moses or David, or Daniel, or Isaiah, or John, or Peter, or Paul. But you sent 
the eternal word, the one who was with you in the beginning, the one who created all of this, you sent Jesus into this world, the second person of the Trinity. God himself came into this world to manifest to us truth and light and to bring us life. Father, how grateful we are for that. And today we embrace Jesus. We love you, we love him, and we want to serve him and honor him with our lives. We thank you for this as we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.